Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get a over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for another exciting interview. We are so pumped to be able to bring you a series of interviews in the coming weeks. We did this a bit last year and sort of slowed down a little bit, but now we're back to bring you a series of chats with some athletes, both former and current Olympians. Many of these Olympians are in the process right now of getting ready for both Tokyo and Beijing because, believe it or not, we are within 12 months of both the next summer and winter games. Obviously, with all of COVID, we're kind of in this unique situation where we've got two Olympics essentially in the space of six months, kind of like the good old days back when both winter and summer games used to be in the same year. So plenty of exciting interviews and other episodes to come your way in the coming weeks. We're kicking things off today with a Tokyo 2020 Olympian, Tom O'Halloran, who has created history as the first ever Australian male selected to represent Australia at an Olympic Games in the sport of sports climbing. Now, last year, we spoke with Ella Easton, of course, who was striving to get to the Olympic Games. Now, since we spoke to Ella, the trials have happened, and unfortunately for Ella, she didn't quite make Tokyo, but Tom did. Tom has his spot confirmed and will be representing Australia at the Olympic Games in a few months' time. And this is a fantastic chat with Tom, learning a little bit about how he got into the sport, the process of qualifying for the Games, going over the controversial nature of the Olympic tournament and why it's a little bit different to what they're quite used to in the sport of sports climbing, and also a lot more stuff here, which will really get you to know Tom. There's one particular story in this interview which I know that come the Olympic Games, we will not forget this. And when we are watching Tom compete, we will be bringing this up. It's a fantastic chat. You're going to learn a lot about Tom right now, and we're going to hear it right now. Here is our chat with Tokyo 2020 Olympian in the sport of sports climbing, Tom O'Halloran. It's a massive pleasure to be able to welcome our next guest here to Off the Podium, a history-making guest. Our next guest is the very first Australian male to be selected to compete in the sport of sports climbing at the Olympic Games. He achieved that feat by taking out the Oceanic Championships last December, therefore securing the quota for men's participants at the Tokyo Olympics. He has climbed all around the world. He has been on an Australian ninja warrior, and he's done it all when it comes to climbing, and I'm so excited to learn a little bit more about his career, his journey to get to the Olympics and everything else in between. Tom Halloran, Tom O'Halloran, excuse me, joins me right now. Tom, welcome to Off the Podium. It's a pleasure to have you here on the show today. 
Hey Ben, how's it going? Thanks for um, yeah having me on. It's a pleasure. And, uh, I I am so excited. I, I was mentioning to you off air. We spoke with Ella Easton last year, and I didn't really know a whole lot about the sport. She gave us a great insight, and uh, now to talk to you, uh, obviously now confirmed for the Olympics. Which I I mean, do you get sick of hearing that, Tom Olympian Tom O'Halloran? Is that something that you've gotten <laughs> sick of hearing in the last couple of months? Uh, no, it's probably still just hasn't quite sunk in yet. I think that's the the thing. So maybe yeah. Saying it more and more, maybe one day it'll be catch uh, up. Maybe by the end of the interview, if you keep saying it, <laughs> all right, we'll count how in. many times I can say it. Basically, yeah, <laughs> Tom O'Halloran, because yeah. it it must be unique. I read in an interview that you sort of, I think, it was just after you won the championship and gotten that quota that when you started this sport, it of course wasn't an Olympic sport, and now it is. So it's kind of something that I can imagine when you got into the sport, you never could dream that you would one day be competing for Australia at the Olympics. I mean, was that kind of when you? got into the to the sport, kind of how you fell into it, that was there ever a whisper that this could become an Olympic sport one day? Was it rumoured or, you know, was it just back um, when you started nothing along those lines? Yeah, look, so I started in 2004 in the um, a new climbing gym had just opened up in Brisbane. Um, and, yeah, it was just, I don't know, you, you just go in there and I didn't really expect anything of it. It was like, um, you know, a kid going to their first cricket game or first swimming carnival or whatever it was. Like, it's just, it's the first time I'd ever experienced that sport. Didn't really know that much about it. And, um, it, I was just hooked from that point. It just felt like that's what I wanted to do. And like, yeah, I would have been 12 at the time. Um, and year 2000 was you know obviously the sydney olympic games and that was the first time i'd ever seen or heard of the olympics and i just remember seeing that opening ceremony and all the things that went along with it and just being like whoa i want to be an olympian one day (laughs) and um yeah just was never good enough i guess um at any particular sport and never felt the drive on any of it um, and then climbing just clicked and it happened to not be an Olympic sport. It's like, oh, well, you know, that's just is what it is. Um, and yeah, it was kind of interesting when there was those rumors going around that maybe it could be. And that probably started like late noughties, mm-hmm. I guess, but it was all just kind of like rumors and it wasn't, you're not really sure. Like, you know, I'm 16 or 17 at the time and just, going through school and, and just being a normal kid as well as you know doing a bit of rock climbing. Um, and it was, yeah, you're not sure what is the truth and what's just like some people talking going, gosh, this would make a good Olympic sport. And um, yeah, it was pretty surreal. I think 2016, it got announced as yeah. Yeah. It's happening. Which, cause I remember when it was announced as sort of it, there was what five sports basically with, you know, karate, surfing, skateboarding, uh, the return of baseball and softball as well. And, and I remember when sports climbing was announced, I think we were doing an episode around about the time. Cause I remember talking about it on air and we were just baffled. We, we didn't know what this was. We were like rock climbing. That, that's the thing. Like that's going to be an Olympic sport. And it was kind of very interesting. And yeah, we spoke with Ella about it. She explained it, you watch it and it kind of just, it blows you away when you see how exciting it is because with the three different disciplines, speed climbing, I believe you're climbing up that wall in about five seconds, aren't you? I mean, it's, it's barely time to think when you're watching it, let alone kind of digest what you're seeing. I mean, is that a, a common reaction from people when they've never seen it before, kind of watching it and going, wow, what is this? Yeah, I guess um, 
it definitely is. And like the first thing prior to all this Olympic stuff, the first thing that, you know, people would say, oh, wow, like you do rock climbing. Is that about just getting to the top the fastest? Mm. And so it's like, well, yeah, you've got one third of it sorted now. <laughs> um, and then the next question is, is that without ropes? And it's like, well, the bouldering side of things, that's one of the disciplines that is without ropes, but you only go up to about five meters high and there's big squishy mats. Um, and yeah, it, it's, uh, I think it's pretty cool to watch people kind of, um, to go from me having to explain it all of the time to people of like, you know, this is how it works and breaks down to people just kind of now having an understanding. And I think like the explosion of the bouldering gyms around the, most of the capital cities around the country, um, people are just becoming more understanding of what the sport is and um, kind of falling in love with it in the same way that I have and, you know, my partner has and, and everyone else around me. When back in 2016 it was announced that it was officially going to be an Olympic sport, did you did that spur you on? Did all of a sudden something just kind of ignite in your mind where that dream as a kid watching the Sydney Olympics was all of a sudden, well, this is a realistic goal now. I could be at the Olympic Games one time. Yeah, it was almost a little bit of both because um, I had kind of hit that point where, so in 2000 and end of 2011, I moved down to the Blue Mountains from Brisbane and because I just wanted to climb more and I didn't want to have to wait till the weekend to go climbing, um, working all week. And I just fell more and more and more in love with outdoor climbing. And that was just like where I felt amazing and awesome. And it was just, yeah, I, I didn't want to compete anymore. Um, I had done, you know, world youth championships and a, a whole bunch of national comps as a kid and the competitions were fun, but I've really fell in love with the outdoor climbing. And when it got announced that it was an Olympic sport now, that was, um, it was hard to wrap your head around because traditionally speed climbing, bouldering and lead climbing had all been separate in the competition side of things. And the climbers that are, the world's best in the speed climbing are a very different athlete to like the lead climbers. And those two never really cross. And so it's a, a big uproar as to, um, and, and unfairly speed climbing was seen as kind of the runt of the litter. That was just like the, Ugh, that's that one. Yeah. No one really cares about it except for the Russians. Um, and yeah, so there's a, a big kind of like rocket a hornet's nest kind of thing um, when the combined discipline got announced. And I was initially just like, nah, don't want to touch it. That's, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to have to do speed climbing. I don't want to have to, you know, do that. Um, but then that little niggle in the back of my mind of like, this is something that you wanted to do as a kid. And, you know, it's a dream and I'm in a position where it's quite feasible for me to qualify. Um, at that point, I'd climbed a lot of the hardest routes in the country outdoors um, and had dabbled here and there with a couple of like state level competitions just because um, and done reasonably well at that. So it was sort of um, 
yeah, it was a bit of a process to go through it. And then I, it was about the beginning of 2019 that I finally committed right. to like doing it. And so I think 2016, they announced it. 2017, 2018, I kind of like, okay, I'm not sure either way. I'm just going to get myself back in line with, because the, the, the difference between the outdoor climbing and the indoor climbing, like you, you using your hands to grab onto things and jumping around and stuff, but it's becomes very different and quite specific. Um, the, the skills that you have to learn. Um, and it's just, you've got to get comfortable with it. Basically I was like, okay, if I'm going to do it, let's just keep my toes in the water and um, check out how it's all going to work. And here we can um, sit here and call you an Olympian. Just, I'm just going to say it again to you right now, Tom. Yeah. Olympian Tom O'Halloran, just, you know, to, to, to yeah. confirm that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's it, it's just crazy. Um, there, there's a whole lot of ups and downs through that whole period um, and motivation and, and then, yeah, throw the corona curveball in there for, for all of us. Um, yeah, but it's, it's pretty awesome to, to be sort of at the end of that journey, but, you know, the start of this next part. So with the world championships, this sort of this combined format, so basically uh, it all comes down to combining what bouldering, lead and speed. At a world championship, do they are they generally contested separately and then you also have a combined as well or are they just purely separate and combines only something you use at certain competitions? Yeah, so until 2018, I think, or 2019, um, they had been completely separate. And at the end of the competition, they there would be a couple of people that had competed in all three and they would just tally their scores together on, you know, a fourth spreadsheet and go, yeah, cool. Like Sean McCall, you won the, um, the combined thing, but no one was ever really seriously competing for it. And, um, it was just sort of like this extra thing. It's like, Oh yeah, cool. I'll work it out. Um, and then with the announcement of the Olympic format for climbing, because we only got one set of metal, one set of medals. And so that was where the combined came into it. And it's like, well, how do you choose which individual discipline do we do? How about we, we showcase all three, everyone gets to see it. And then um, in the future, you're like, Hey, imagine if we got speed climbing separate and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so that, I think 2018 in, uh, I can't remember where the world champs were that year, but um, yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, that was the first time that we'd seen it all. And so you had to compete in all three individual disciplines and then they got them all together, the top 20 athletes, and that moved you into the combined semifinal where you then did all three, uh, one after the other, essentially. Um, and then, through to finals and um, it became really hotly contested because it, everyone's trying to get the Olympic format preparation in and become familiar with the format. And um, yeah, it, it became like a proper thing. And now, um, you know, it, with the initial, everyone just like ugh, combined, don't want to touch it. I think it's actually this kind of stroke of genius by our international federation, because it really does show who the best overall climber is. And I, I really respect that as a skill is like who can, it's not a specialist. It's who's the best across all three. 
And um, that's really cool. And I think, yeah, we, we now get to see that. And a lot of people really got on board with that idea. And it's, it's super competitive now. So how does it work in terms of the combined score? Is it a is it an aggregate time, even though you've obviously got different things in each of the, the formats? I mean, do you get points for a, crossing a certain time in one discipline and they combine? I mean, how do you tally a score essentially so that you can walk away as the gold medalist? Yeah, so basically it's it's quite simple. They've just gone, you know, your place in the, the order of the event is speed, bouldering, lead. So if you came fifth in the speed climbing, first in the bouldering and 10th in lead, your score will be five because you came fifth times one because mm-hmm. you came first times 10. Right. So you end up with an aggregate score at the end of that of 50. Okay. And, and whoever is it high ends- score wins, not like lowest. golf. It's not like, oh, lowest. It is like lowest, golf. Lowest score wins. So, right. um, you know, potentially there's someone that goes first, 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 and you end up with one times one times one. Yep. So you end up with one, which is pretty special. And we may see that at the Olympics. There's, there's probably one, um, one male climber from Japan and like he's, yeah, he's good. Nice. What's his name? What are we, who are we looking out for? Tomoa Narasaki. Okay, we'll remember yep. that name then when we're, yep. when we're watching it too. Now, I believe your um, speciality is at lead. Am, am I correct in, in saying that? That's your preferred, well, your favorite, I guess, speciality? Yeah, that would definitely be my favorite one. Um, that's been, yeah, just what I, I enjoy doing on the weekend outdoors. And, um, yeah, if you give me a free day of rock climbing, it's like, cool, I want to go lead climbing. Um but then it, it's interesting through this combined format, I think probably my strongest discipline has actually become the speed climbing, which, you know, if you told me that a couple of years ago, I'd shudder and just go, oh, no, don't think so. <laughs> um, but based on my time at our Oceania Championships, which was our Olympic qualifying event, um, I ran quite a quick time comparatively to the rest of the field. So, um yeah, there's definitely some room there for me to to do quite well in that discipline, which is a really great kind of springboard for the rest of the day. And how do you train to climb faster? Is it literally go up a 15-meter wall like 100 times a day and just try and speed? Is it conditioning yourself on the upper body strength? I mean, kind of how do you find that extra time that you want to improve on for your next competition? Yeah, it's, so it's... um. Uh, there's a real art to it. So basically the speed route is the exact same route everywhere around the world and has been for 10 years. So it's rope learning that as much as you can. And depending on your climbing style and your strengths and height and all that sort of stuff, there's kind of slight variations in sequence up the wall, but it's the same holds. Um, And there is a lot of rope learning on it. But then there's also just that sheer power. Like I, I would encourage anyone that hasn't seen the, like you just look up men's speed climbing world record, women's speed climbing world record and watch them. It's a 15 meter high wall. It's five degrees overhung. And it looks like they're crawling. Like they're going so incredibly fast. Like it's just like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just turning up the power in your legs and your arms so uh, an analogy that i've heard which I, I kind of get on board with is your legs are the engine that's pushing you up 
and your arms are the steering wheel. So that's keeping you on board and changing your direction. Um, but your legs are just driving. So it's getting like big, strong, fast legs. So that kind of training looks probably similar to like a sprinter or something like that for legs. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm doing it at the moment where it's, you know, it's box jumps, it's explosive deadlift kind of things. Um, lots of one legged kind of power and speed work. Um, and then like the, the upper body stuff is a lot of, um, doing some levers, um, doing like explosive, um, chin-ups and that sort of thing just to get really like fired up you're never skipping idea, leg day you're never skipping it <laughs> not anymore yeah yeah it sucks <laughs> the dweeby little climbing legs like because you need strong enough legs for climbing but you do not need that and uh yeah here, here i am doing leg day twice a week wow it's crazy wow which it's just it, it must be interesting when you when you go to the gym and you're kind of, you know, training. And, and, I mean, I don't know, depending on which gym you go to, whether you're training along with other athletes and that. But, I mean, do you sort of get in conversations like, do you have, maybe have a sprinter at, at, at the gym that you train to that you can say like, well, I'm doing similar work to you or get some suggestions maybe to get on that power that you're talking about that you get from the legs that obviously sprinters really need to when they get off the mm. blocks? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. So I live up in Blackheath, so it's quite a like small community, and there's not too much um, too much kind of teamwork as such, which is a bit of a bummer. But um, I've kind of gotten used to just kind of running my own race with it. Um, but I do have a really awesome um, climbing coach. Uh, he's a physio. He's also um, one of the best climbers in the country, and uh, just super super knowledgeable on all of that training stuff. So he's been really good at um, you know, showing me the exercises, how to do them properly and, and really locking into that. And that's been awesome to not have to worry about that. Cause until probably 12 months ago, I was kind of entirely self-coached in a way, like consuming a lot of information on websites and books and, and podcasts and stuff. But, um, yeah, until then I hadn't really had external, uh, input, uh, from someone else that's like, cool, this is what you should be doing. Uh, so that's been really awesome. And um, I've definitely learned a lot through doing that with him. And it's interesting too, like you said before, you know, getting faster on the speed climbing wall, like there's 15 moves basically give or take to get to the top. And if you can make each one of those moves 0.1 of a second quicker, you've shaved off one and a half seconds at the top of the wall. Right. Which is like, you know, easier said than done. It's like the high jumpers. It's like, just jump, like just jump one centimeter higher. It's like, yeah. like you, you can't. Yeah. But it, like, that's the, so the, the men's world record is 5.48 seconds to do wow. 15 meters. Jeez. That's like crazy. Insane. <laughs> and the <laughs> women's world record wow. is 6.97 or something like that. Like it, it is it's mind blowing how quick they are. And my, my record is 7.12. Right. So I guess that's, I mean, and you're always working like a clock. I can imagine it's like a sprinter who maybe, you know, you're pushing to break the 10 second barrier. Are you just yeah. like drive by pushing to like the seven second barrier? That's like your next goal. And then you kind of keep working it down to go for that five point, you know, for the yeah. world record. Yeah. I, I definitely, before going into the Oceana event, I wanted to get to seven and a half seconds um, cause I was running it at around eight seconds. Um, and it's like, Oh, like every now and then I just like 
at a training kind of thing, I'd just dip underneath the seven second, uh, the eight second barrier. It's like, cool. Seven and a half seconds. would be awesome at Oceana. And then I, I ran a couple of seven and a half. So like 7.4 and then a seven in the final, which was totally awesome. One of the best, you know, like best climbing experiences of my life, myself and the, the other guy who was, he was my main rival in my mind for the whole competition and for the two of us to be going head to head. Um, he beat me. He ran a 6.98 or something. Um, so it was just, it, it was awesome. Um, and I believe you fell in the last leg too in the, in the lead. Uh, yeah. Is that, is that true? Sort of what happened there? Just fell going for the last move. Um, I, yeah, interesting. Like if, if people went and had a look at the footage, like you see me, I, I was at the top, I was feeling so incredibly good. It's the end of two pretty intense days of climbing. Uh, day one is a 12 hour day. Day two is like eight or nine hours. Like the big days, it's a lot of time to be, and, and you're in isolation the whole time, just with you and the other competitors. Like you can't come out and just, you know, go to the cafe and, and hang and chill and just find some, you know, time away from the intensity of the whole thing. Um, so yeah, it gets to the last thing, last discipline. It's a lead. I do my best to not try and do that. Um, the math of all the placings and where I need to, cause I just find it no matter what I need to do in terms of like coming a place, I can't control that. All I can control is if I climb my best, mm-hmm. it's like, so it's just like breaking it down to being as um, controllable and, and smaller task in a way as I can. Um, so I come out for lead. I'm feeling really good. I feel like I've warmed up well. I'm not too fatigued and uh, get up to the last move. And was just like, Oh yeah, I think this is it. Here we go and go to do the last move. And my left foot just pops off. Ouch. You just see it just like, boof. Um, I just didn't place it very well. And I'd kind of like, as I'm setting up to do the move, I was just like, yeah, awesome. You've just topped this out and this is going to be freaking fantastic. You're <laughs> going to hit the last hold, clip the last quick draw and uh, the crowd's going to go crazy. And uh, yeah, just got out of the zone and uh, paid the consequence. But it, in the end, it was enough to um, yeah, to end up uh, second in the lead. So I came second in the um, speed climbing, second in the bouldering and second in the lead, uh, which gave me six at the end of the day um, and was the lowest score out of all the other guys. And here you are, an Olympian, Tom. Uh, yeah. An Olympian, <laughs> um, which when you make that that error at the end and you're kind of down, I mean, how long is then the process of you, I guess, obviously feeling dejected? And I mean, are you at that point like, that? that's it? I, I, I stuffed up here. Like, I, I'm not going to make it. Like, I can't imagine that's a very fun period between you falling and then having to wait until the final results to see if you made it. Yeah. So I was the second last climber out. And right. um, so I only needed to wait one more person. But um, so I, I do that. I come down. And all these people are like, oh, good job. That's awesome. Like Tom, the other guy who was my kind of main competitor, he's out there. You get to watch everyone at the end of the lead. Once you've climbed, you can just watch what what else is going on. Um, And he's like, oh, good job. And everyone's coming up to congratulating me. And they're like, yeah, you've got the spot. You've got the spot. Um, And I was just like, uh, like I couldn't believe it. Um, 
at the European Championships a couple of weeks earlier, someone was, they'd come out second last, they'd climbed, they were in the top spot and they had the Olympic spot. The last person to come out wasn't in contention for winning the overall competition, but depending on how they went on that lead route could totally due to the multiplication process stuff up all of the rankings. And that guy could move down the order and lose his Olympic spot. It's kind of, you need to look at the maths and and see it. But basically I was worried that the last person coming out, I, I was certain that they couldn't take the Olympic spot, but if they beat me, it's like, could that move me down the rankings? And then people coming up and like showing me the math because there's a live scoring update. And they're like, no, this is it. Like you've got the spot and I'm reading it. I'm looking at the math and I'm like, I, I, I don't understand. Like, no, I, I can't have, that can't be me. And they're like, yep, you've got the spot. And it just, yeah, it was so surreal. It was like this kind of crazy, just like, yeah, that it was, it was weird. Can never. Yeah. And, and so yeah. Oceana McKenzie was a female. She, she yep. won through the female one. So like, did both of you go out and have a big party? Is there like, you know, a celebration right before Christmas? I mean, you know, this is <laughs> the best Christmas present you can probably get, right? Yeah. Well, it was a bit tricky because, um, like she's from Melbourne and, um, for those following on that Corona stuff, like on, so we had our event that the Olympic qualifiers were meant to happen in March on like the 24th of March or something like that, that weekend, um, on 2020 and, uh, a week or so prior coronavirus exploded Mm. and they closed all the gyms, they shut off everything. Um, and yeah, we were a week out and they canceled our event. Wow. Uh, it's like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. Um, and th- there was a nice pressure release in a way because there's a lot of intensity building up to that event. And then the pressure release valve gets opened and it's like, oh, awesome. That feels better. Um, but so, you know, we get to November or December, sorry, um, and the corona stuff's all looking pretty good and everyone's chilling out. And, and I actually went in on the Tuesday before our event, starting on the Saturday, um, went down to the venue and was just doing a few last little training sessions and was chatting to the gym owner, who's a friend. And, and she's one of the head setters for the comp. And I said to her, Oh, how awesome is this? Like no Corona stuff. Like even if it kicks off now, it's like, it can't expand out quick enough to, to be an issue. On the Wednesday, the Northern Beaches cluster kicks off mm. and they start shutting everything down. Ouch. And there's a couple of climbers that are living in the Northern Beaches. And one's, yeah, it was, it's just like, oh my God, like, here we go. This could all be over again. And yeah. the um, in, our International Federation for Climbing said that, and I, th- yeah, said that our... Olympic qualifying event had to happen by the end of 2020. Wow. And and being that it's the last weekend of 2020, like if it didn't go ahead, it it wasn't happening. Um, And they'd go back to a previous um, sort of qualification thing. That's all a little bit too complicated to explain, but that wouldn't have been me getting the spot. 
Um, and so then on the Saturday, we finished the Saturday event and we've, we've all got to wear masks and there's lots of, you know, really safe protocols going on around the place. Um, that's a full day on the Sunday. Uh, we didn't need to be there at the gym until like two o'clock or something. And it would run into the night, the competition. Um, but that was when Gladys Berichiklian gets on and says, you know, basically there was an update as to whether things had to close down, what the new, you know, um, four meter rule, two meters, whatever it is. Um, and, and we were looking and there was a sort of group message stuff going around saying the event could be called off depending on what happens with, um, you know, her announcement and, and the advice from the medical people, like the event could get called off and that'd wow. be it. Um, I was lucky enough that I had won the Saturday event. So I would have still gotten the spot, but, and, and Osh would have gotten the spot as well. Um, Cause she won the Saturday, but it just like, part of me was like, Oh, that'd be awesome. I don't want to go through the intensity of today. <laughs> but part of it just would have been crap as well. Like yeah. you want to, you want to be there and everyone's like, yeah. So um, in the end it was all good. We were able to, to get through and, and run it under, you know, safe protocols and we weren't, you know, pushing it outside the boundaries of what was safe. Um, but yeah, Osh, anyway, it's a long way of getting around to this story. Um, Osh is from Melbourne and they were closing the border hard that night. And so anyone that got in after midnight had to do hotel quarantine or whatever it was. So then we had athletes that were like, you know, I'd not, but people hadn't done particularly well on the Saturday and they're just like, Oh, I'm actually just going to go back to Melbourne and I'm going to go home and pull out of the Sunday event. Um, and people were trying to like work out cause they just need to cross the border at Aubrey Budonga. And that's like five hours away. And it's like, Oh, when's the event going to finish? Can we like, hire to get a you know workout to get a higher car and quickly make a dash across the border so that you know the melbourne climbers have gone through a, a tough period being locked down and all that and to be then locked down in self-isolation for christmas and years and all that it just would have sucked so um yeah yeah pretty much everyone as soon as it finished it was like bang like people just went so there's people going back to canberra back to queensland back to to melbourne and um the gym was empty like wow. straight after there was just like there was no celebration it was like cool medal ceremony let's go <laughs> just about the olympics and, uh, whatever let's go home let's go yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and then um yeah we, we just got in the car myself um my partner and our daughter and um we're just driving home just on the m4 back up to to blackheath and it's just like oh wow it's just like <laughs> the biggest thing ever and it's just yeah. back to just back home. Normality. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of turned her and go, so what did you do today? Nothing. I mean, I just qualified for the Olympics. You know, yeah. Nothing, nothing unusual there. What's the process then from that point in terms of like the AOC? Like, do you get a, do you get a phone call? Like a letter from John Coates? Like, congratulations. Like, you know, your, your uniform will be available on this day. Like, I mean, because I can imagine there's a bit of a, a process around, you know, the Australian Olympic Committee and kind of what happens from that point when you've qualified for an Olympic Games. Yeah, I was uh, I was waiting for that phone call on the Monday. So like you know the the twenty 
3rd of December or whatever it was. I was like, yeah, sweet. I'm going to get a phone call. Here we go. Nothing. Oh, it must be like Christmas. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll wait for the new year. Oh, cool. First week, uh, you know, government departments, they'll be back. You know, they're, they're having a bit of extra time. Second week of January. That's still nothing. <laughs> That's still nothing. And then I end up ringing up our a, a national coaching director um, for sport climbing. It's like, hey, man, like, am I going to hear anything? And he's like, no, no, that's it. You've kind of on your own now until getting to Tokyo, you find out a couple of things. And wow. um, so it's like, it, it's a little bit different to what you think. Um, I don't know whether that's just like Corona stuff or, or whatever. Um, but you know, that there is just so much going on at the moment for everyone. Like the, I, I am now in communication with um, different people um, from the AOC um, and like organizing all sorts of things, but it's just like, it's so hard at the moment because there's so many people that are, uh, a lot of sports that aren't yet qualified, mm-hmm. like a lot of athletes and that they're going around and doing the world cups through Europe and South America and stuff, um, trying to get their final qualification stuff happening. And, um, the AOC is trying to support them in making sure that travel doesn't get disrupted too much. Um, and keeping a track of them for, you know, health and safety points of view. So there's a lot going on um, and it's pretty difficult to try and I'd imagine keep all these plates spinning at the moment. Which also too, I mean, you know, people are still questioning every single day whether the Olympics are going to happen. And I can imagine that you don't think about that because to you, you're going to the Olympics no matter what. And the organizing committee in Tokyo basically said, no matter what, we're going to make these happen somehow, which obviously adds to that uncertainty of it. But I mean, at the end of the day, I guess it doesn't really matter if they call you up, you know, a week before the opening ceremony. (laughs) I mean, as long as you, as long as you get in a plane and you've got a couple of uh, rings on your, on your jacket underneath the Australian logo, that's all you really care about. Right. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. Look, it's one of those things. It's easy to kind of, run off down different headline um, things that come out and all that. And it's like, eh, until I actually hear something official from someone official, I'm not, I don't care about what anyone is like, you know, Fox sports can run that story or do whatever they want to do. It's like, until I hear from John Coates that it's not going ahead. You're, I'm, you're, I'm, you're there. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're an Olympian, there. Tom. You're, you're an Olympian. As, <laughs> exactly. as I keep saying. So between now and then, I mean, what's the training regime like? Uh, you know, you're mentioning like leg day a couple of days a week, but I mean, are you up at four in the morning every day kind of training? I mean, do you have a set regime basically between now and then? And also, do you have any competitions that you compete in between now and July? Yeah, so training's pretty intense at the moment. There's um, a lot of days of training. Um, and a lot of those days are double sessions. So I'd do like something in the morning and something in the afternoon or evening. Um, and it's just like a lot of work. Like you don't feel good in your body in a way. Um, cause you just, there's a lot of fatigue and a lot of just like a lot of dirty work kind of going on. Um, but it, it's sort of kind of all building up to being able to you know, perform at the end of the year or middle of the year, at the end of this cycle. Um, the competition side of things is a little bit tricky. Like there's the world cups happening over in Europe, uh, and through Asia. And it'd be amazing to get over and do a few of them just to get that, um, get that experience and just, you know, just test where you're at because the, the tricky thing at the moment is that you can't really see where your performance is at as such. Um, 
so that'd be really cool. But then, you know, there's a lot to consider around that in terms of like just coming home and having to do the two weeks hotel quarantine, like two weeks out of a training cycle at this point is a lot. Um, so big decisions to try and make whether or not like I do go over there. Um, and you know, I've got my, my partner, Amanda and, um, six-year-old daughter, Audrey, and that's, you know, potentially missing out on time with them, or if they do come with me, um, that's a lot of, um, it's a lot of money, like just, you know, isolating on the way back home is like suddenly like $8,000 or something or, or whatever it is, $9,000, um, which is pretty much what a price, you know, a trip to Europe is going to cost you. So, you know, you're doubling all of those expenses. So it's pretty hard. Um, but I think that, yeah, we'll just probably try and manufacture as much as we can do in Australia. Um, so there's a, a lot of the climbing gyms are, are super psyched to help out where they can. Um, and Sport Climbing Australia is really excited to try and give us the best possible opportunities in Australia to make it happen. Um, I'm sure there'll be a couple of domestic comps that pop up at a different point. Um, and yeah, it's basically just trying to like manufacture it as best as we can. And I think that, you know, if it was a non COVID year, it'd be overseas and traveling about and it'd be just brilliant, but, um, everyone's kind of in the same boat really. Mm. And so everyone's adapting, everyone's sort of not quite having the ideal situation running through. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just, just see what we can do. In terms of the financial aspect of it, uh, of course, I mean, it's all well and good for, I guess, people like myself to sit here and think, well, you're going to the Olympics, you know, you, that that's your career, you, you're off, that's kind of, uh, you know, the goal there. But it's obviously a bit different for, for yourself, sports climbers, that uh, I, I read you, you know, you just lost your job around about the initial time of the original qualification and sort of gone on to some benefits and all those sort of things. And kind of at the moment, you're fundraising a little bit for the Olympics. So, I mean, what support is there from, say, Sport Climbing Australia, the AOC? Like, do they contribute <coughs> anything towards that? Or is it all really self-funded? And that's why you sort of, you set this fundraiser up to get you to Tokyo. Yeah, it's pretty much entirely self-funded, um, all of it. I think uh, Sport Climbing Australia, have, um, it, we're, we're just a new sport basically um like not new sport in terms of an olympic kind of thing um and so it's just difficult to get any traction with that they're not sure like as much as it's you know the olympics and everything it's still a business and it's still i think maybe privately run sort of thing um and so it's got to make profit it's got to like we don't know what climbing is going to do they don't know how much that's going to be worth um so yeah it's basically entirely self-funded all of this stuff um since uh, so up until um basically the beginning of this year um the most I, i'd received in you know basically 10 years of being one of the best climbers in the country i'd received two thousand dollars of sponsorship money wow um that's crazy. Yeah. Does that change yeah. though when you go into your local store and say sponsor me when you can actually say that I'm an Olympian? Do, do they all of a sudden perk up a little bit more? It's funny. Sometimes some people kind of do and other times they're just like, end. Hmm. Wow. And, and it's um it's been interesting, but I've been able to, um, I think just due to the fact that it, it's been so tricky and there's a lot of stuff going on, 
um, I've had a couple of um, couple of sponsors sort of come to the table a little bit more, which has been amazing, um, and reached out to to new sponsors, and um, they've been able to be um, really generous with being able to kind of help give me that opportunity to Great. to do the best that I can, which has been awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm so appreciative of Give it. them a plug, so, Tom. Give the sponsors yeah. a plug, right? I feel like you need yeah. to plug them. No, so, um, yeah, uh, the North Face is is totally awesome. Um, and Black Diamond and Tanea um, Climbing Shoes, um, Cliff Bar and Awesome Woodies. Um, right. And my partner, she's the sport dietitian, um, Thrive Sport Dietetics. There you thrive, go. Thrive Sport Nutrition. Um, go out and support those sponsors. That yeah, are yeah. Jump on board. I, I think, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's been really cool to be able to, you know, get a little bit of support. And and it's not like I'm I'm a professional or anything like that, but it just helps pay for, you know, driving a three to four hour round trip to Sydney to to get into the climbing gym and pay for my tolls and still get home in time for school pickup <laughs> yeah for sure i just i'm just thinking right now of cool runnings when they're trying to raise the money to get to calvary yeah. like i'm start doing a song like some people say you know you don't believe sport climbing is in the olympics like you start a song yeah. make it go viral the internet all that sort of stuff totally yeah yeah yeah, yeah let's uh, i've got a bit of time at the end of the day i'll, I'll start yeah. to <laughs> start penning a few tunes yeah. you know it could it could work uh i mean sport climbing itself in tokyo i believe it starts on about day 11 so you, you kind of got a bit of time i mean I'm, I'm not sure sort of how often you're going to these competitions and you know i'm guessing sport climbing not really often part of these multi-sport events so do you, do you look at that as something where it's just extra training and you maybe are trying not to get swept up by the olympic experience do you maybe not arrive in tokyo till sort of closer to your competition i mean is that something that you're thinking about or have kind of you know got a plan for at that point during the games yeah, so um, basically with it being a COVID games, um, there's a lot going on around, uh, you know, controlling the things that they can control. Uh, part of that is, you know, maybe not as many crowds, if any crowds, and it's just going to be a televised thing. Um, and another one is we are coming in, five days before our competition day. Right. So I, I fly in on like the 28th of so July. You don't get an opportunity to like. do the opening ceremony. Even if you wanted to, you don't get that opportunity. Yeah. And honestly, I don't even know if the opening ceremony is going to be like what we have seen in the past. Like right. it, it, I, I haven't heard anything, but I would imagine maybe it's just like the flag bearers from mm. the country. Um, so who knows? I think a lot of this stuff is still up in the air until we get closer to what is going on. Um, if by some miraculous stroke of, you know, whatever, um, coronavirus just suddenly disappears or whatever, um, you know, things will look a lot different. Um, but yeah, it's just going to depend on, you know, especially a big one is, you know, infection rates in Tokyo, in mm -hmm. Japan um, and, and all that kind of thing. So the, it, it's a, a moving target kind of thing um for working out what's going on but yeah basically coming in five days before our competition day and we'll be out within 48 hours 
Wow. Because I can imagine, like, I, I've said this often to a lot of our guests, because, um, you know, particularly, say, with, like, swimmers, you know, often they don't go into the opening ceremony because, you know, they're up, you know, the next morning early to compete. But, I mean, personally, as someone who clearly I'm at that age now where I'm never going to make the Olympics, but you never know. Curling's an option. I'm living in Canada now. Uh, to me, like, half the experience would be the opening ceremony. You know, that would be the thing. And I can imagine that if you were given that option, Tom, if they sort of things got relaxed a little bit, they had kind of a normal opening ceremony that i'm sure you'd probably like wouldn't well, fuck this I'm, I'm going in the opening ceremony if i've got an option you know i'm not competing the next day so what else <laughs> yeah 100 percent. like that that's that was the thing that in the year 2000 that i remember sitting there watching and just going that is what i want to do like yeah. you're just seeing all these athletes from around the world wearing their tracksuit pants and there's this enormous flame in the middle of the stadium you're just like wow yeah like that and, and that was like a motivator through that whole time is just like i want to be there i want that it's like you know yeah that that's when people ask like you know what are the top three top three things of the olympics like number one surely has to be the opening ceremony then you've got like the 100 meter final and the, yep. the 50 meter swimming like yep. that they're the the absolute marquee events of yep. the olympics and soon to be sport climbing as well though we can add a fourth exactly. one to that right like yes. that's going to go that way do you have a goal like i mean obviously the goal is to win a medal i can imagine like you know win the yeah. gold of course but do, do you set yourself is it down to the timing you were talking about before i mean do you want a top 10 or is it like boom i'm going medal or i'm going to leave disappointed yeah like honestly everything's just going towards getting myself in the best possible uh, shape and, and not being injured and, and being able to do the best I can. Um, yeah. It'd be amazing to get them, get a medal. Um, that'd just be like, just unreal. I, I think that would be even more mind blowing than just becoming an Olympian to, to become an Olympic medalist would be insane. Um, but really like it, it's a bit of a cop-out answer, I guess, but like, I just want to be able to show up and feel like I did my best and whatever that becomes, I'm, I'm stoked, but I, I want to feel like I prepared myself in the leading up to it and um, just did my best on the day and climbed confidently and um, yeah, just, just left it all out there on the wall, basically. I'll tell you what, if you don't get a medal, and we're saying it now, you will get a medal. I'm trying to be positive here for you, Tom. Uh, just behind me here, I've managed to actually secure myself a Tokyo medal. So, like, I'm happy oh, to uh, shoot you one of these, uh, basically. I've also got a Sydney and a Rio one if you ever want to claim yourself to be a, a three-time gold medalist. I am. Uh, I had yeah. to pay for them, but I still, you know, three-time gold medalist, right? It counts. Well, all right, there can't be that many people. Like you're in that kind of Usain Bolt kind I of know, right? league, isn't it? That's yeah. pretty awesome. I would have thought yeah. we win five. I'm just two behind him. So, you know, I yeah. got, you know, more than the more than the Campbell sisters. But so did, did Thorpey do three in a row? Uh, no, he did. there can't be that yeah, many he did people. Two. He he, yeah. he retired after Athens. So he's so you, uh, one or five. He may cumulatively have more. True. But and a longer got... period of time, 20 years exactly. to win three gold. He did it in four. So, uh, yeah, I started when I was 13 apparently. That's longevity. I know, right? Like That's definitely how it works. Uh, yeah. Tom, we wrap up every interview with a series of uh, fun questions. Now, these are based on a Canadian questionnaire that they have on the Canadian Olympic Committee website they give to their Olympians just before they go either to the winter or the summer games and sort of a little bit of a get to know you, kind of some favourite sporting moments and random things like that. 
So I thought we would uh, close this out, spur you on, and you can remember these when you're climbing that wall in Tokyo <laughs> as, uh, hey, that awesome podcast I did, uh, yeah. you know, these helped me on. So I'm going to start off with, you might have actually already answered this one. Uh, maybe it was sort of your very first experience watching back in Sydney, but what is your favorite Olympic moment? Um, I reckon probably like, yeah, maybe that, that big one is just watching that Olympic 2000 Olympic opening ceremony. Um, but I was still like unsure as to what all of that was. And I was living, living up in a, a really small little like kind of town at the time. Um, and we didn't have a TV and there weren't many people living up there and there wasn't many TVs. It sounds like a bit of a weird hippie commune, but it wasn't. <laughs> um, but we went around to a friend's house to watch, uh, Kathy Freeman's run. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about it, but like there was, I say everyone, um, there's probably like 10 people stood there. That was everyone, <laughs> um, <laughs> watching that race. And I, I was just blown away by like, it's a running race. Wow. Um, there's tens of thousands of people in that stadium and they're all just watching this person running around. And it was just, um, and everyone in the, in the living room watching it where I was like, you just like, there's something about what sport does to bring people together like that. And it was just, yeah, it was amazing. And, and watching it like win was, yeah. It was, it's hard to comprehend as an eight year old when yeah. you don't really have well, the it's, boxes to put it in, but anyone just, in Australia at that time can remember that though. Can't I mean, we just had the 20th anniversary last year and people were living it even just recently with Bruce McAvaney kind of stepping down. Mm. You know, a lot of people were living his famous call from that race. And I, I was 13 yeah. and I remember it vividly, you know, sitting in, yeah. in that living room with my, my family watching it. And it didn't matter whether you were a sporting person or not, I think everyone in Australia was just watching this moment of Kathy Freeman. 100%. Goal. It was yeah, it was insane. And yeah, anyone yeah. can remember that too. Um, on, on a side note on on that sort of like, it's kind of an Olympic story. Um, so my dad is a professional photographer mm-hmm. um, or, or was for, for quite a while. Um, and one of his jobs at one point he was going out and uh, he took photos of a whole bunch of different sporting people at their homes for interviews and stuff like that. And uh, I got a birthday card from Susie O'Neill. Oh, wow. That's a nice So I went, I went to present. her house with dad and um, got a birthday card from Susie Fantastic. O'Neill. Fantastic. Did you get to wear any of her medals? Like, did you have them on display? And sort of like, hey, Susie, they were on display. On? Yeah. Oh. I think it was Susie. Yeah. Oh, she's got a few. She might not. Yeah, well, I might have more than her. I don't know. I have to check yeah. those stats. Who knows? Um, now, I remember asking this one to Ella, and she had a very good answer because you, in a way, Tom, are in a sport where you could almost consider yourself a superhero. You're very much like Spider-Man, <laughs> I want to say. Uh, so if you could have any superpower, what would it be? I feel you've got one. You're Spider-Man already. Yeah, exactly. So that would be a waste, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, give it to someone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, probably one of the other things that I really love is the water. Um, so some sort of like ability to hold your breath for a while, would be pretty sweet. Some sort of like Aquaman, Aquaman Definitely. type Definitely. thing. Um, yeah. which probably wouldn't have been a thing that you would choose, uh, until what's his face became <laughs> Jason Aquaman Momoa. And, yeah. Made it yeah, cool. Became right? a bit cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was a laughing stock. And now Jason Momoa comes in, you know, welcome permission to come aboard and then boom, everyone loves him. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. I'll take that. Uh, your favorite sports movie. What is that? Oh, good one. Um, 
there's a couple of really good climbing movies that are just like full out froth fest of that sort of stuff. Um, what was the Sylvester Stallone one? Cliffhanger? Was that was that that one? Yeah, that that that's something. That movie. <laughs> <laughs> when you watch it through the eyes of a climber, you're just like, oh my goodness. Um, and there's that Donald Sutherland movie, uh, Scream of Stone. Yep, yep. Um, Vertical Limit good. was one that I used to watch a lot yep. as a kid. Yep. Yep. Oh, um, yeah, I think in terms of like an actual like proper climbing movie, um, there's a, a movie called The Real Thing, which is from the 90s that was really good. Um, an Australian climbing movie from the similar time was Coming Out Your Hyper. Right. Um, and... Yeah, I like the surfing movies as well. I watched a really good one called Pentecostal the other okay. day that right. was very good. That's on YouTube. People can just look it up. Check it's, that out. Yeah. See, I just watched Point Break for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Now that's, yeah. a, you know, surfing Number one and robbers. two. <laughs> yeah. Not not quite seen the other one yet, but uh, I'll work my way up there. You know, yeah. Uh, sort of start with that one. Uh, what is your funniest childhood memory? Or... Uh, probably actually, so when I was, um, living up in that small town, um, Winfield, uh, I, I always just loved climbing. Like I was climbing through the mango tree in Brisbane. Um, I'd watch Tarzan and just like go and climb on that. I'd be traversing around the house, um, on the window sills and stuff like that. And up at Winfield, I, I managed to one day, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try and do this. And, uh, I've lined a bucket up on the edge of the roof of the house and climbed up onto the single story roof. I was probably like seven or something at the time or eight. I've climbed up onto the roof of the house, um, up around the gutter and, and pulled myself over. I was light enough to not rip the gutter off the house, which was good. Um, and I've pulled down my pants and tried to do a poo into the bucket from, from the top of the single story story and um <laughs> i got half of it in <laughs> did mum walk out and the other half landed on her or yeah, something? <laughs> yeah i got busted by the neighbors so I, I thought i'd gotten away with it and then um the people that kind of it's like all in this big paddock um and the people up at the back of the paddock kind of were like um later that afternoon they're like you know your your son was up on the roof with his pants down trying to poo in a bucket and yeah i got busted <laughs> What's the punishment for climbing onto your roof and doing a poo in a bucket? Um. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was quite quite funny. Um, so, yeah. I, I, really hope, I really hope someone from Channel 7 listens to this and when they're doing, like, your profile before you climb in Tokyo, yes, here's Tom O'Halloran, you know, two-time Australian Ninja Warrior, did this, did that, also as a child attempted to poo yeah. in a bucket whilst climbing his roof. It was um, half successful. Yes. <laughs> you should do, do it in the Olympics. Like if you're doing shit, like literally do a shit. Yeah. 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 yeah just <laughs> screw you down. world. I'm not yep. doing well. <laughs> that marathon some... runner back in uh, Rio pooed himself when he was running. So like, yeah, know, exactly. Do that. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Following tradition. <laughs> Have oh, some bad ramen or something. And... <laughs> It's probably Wasn't easier to come out. expecting that answer. Let's just say that. Uh, one thing actually I'll quickly add, as a, as a Brisbane boy, I mean, Brisbane's about 80% chance now, it seems, of hosting the 2032 Olympics. Can you yeah. can you keep pushing now for another 11 years to uh, compete in the home games, perhaps? It would be cool. Um, what would I be? 30, 
I'd be 39 or 40 mm. at that games, um, which, you know, in climbing is um, not too crazy. Um, like it's, yeah, I'm friends that are still very, very, very good um, in their late 30s and 40s. Um, I guess that thing is like the drive at that point, isn't it? Yeah. You see a lot of people like the professional surfers and, and all that, like and footy players, maybe footy, not so much, but just that drive, but it would be cool. Yeah. It's, just go up it, and stay with mum and dad. Yeah. You bugger the Olympic village and mum and dad's going to stay with you. Yeah. Can I have my room? What is it? Paris and then uh, Los, Los Angeles. Angeles or something. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, uh, you know, a couple Brizzy. of good ones there. Then, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Briz Vegas up there. There yeah. you go. Uh, what is your favourite pump up song? Oh, um, so there, there was one the other year. Um, so there's a um, climbing kind of uh, electronic music podcast from Sheffield in England. It's called Decomposed Radio, wow. and it's basically like their um, their little tagline. Um, is it's not going off it's gone off <laughs> um so uh yeah it's basically like climbers and people within that kind of climbing scene that are um djs put together little live sets or whatever and um, um upload them and, and that's really good uh and there's a one of the mixes was by this girl called sophie kelty mm-hmm. and the first like 10 minutes of that hour and a half set just gets me so like so psyched and happy and it just feels like um it's not like total rev up like raw kind of stuff it's just this like oh it's awesome and i I was listening to that at world champs in uh tokyo in the isolation area and uh just dancing around by myself in a room full of like 300 other athletes (laughs) why not i probably looked silly but it was like it just it felt awesome you're not so, pooing in a bucket, so who cares? Like you exactly, know, you're, just, you're just you're chilling out to those tunes. Speaking of podcasts, I believe uh, you're you're a bit of a podcaster yourself, Tom. You you host uh, Baffle Days, the Australian Climbing Podcast. How how's that like? And, and kind of what's do you, do you enjoy doing the podcast as well? Yeah, it's super fun. Hey, um, it, it's one like I used to do a lot of traveling for work, uh, traveling over to Western Australia and and all around sort of all around the country, really. Um, and we just consumed a lot of podcasts in that time, just driving on the road by yourself. And, um, there was no Australian climbing podcast at that time. There's, you know, several from overseas in America being the big one. Um, it's like, man, someone's got to do an Australian climbing one. Like this sucks. Like, why have we not got that? And I had kind of, it's like, maybe we could do that. My partner and I, she's a um, big time climber as well. And yeah, we're just like, screw it let's do it and there's a couple of false starts like you felt a little bit self-conscious oh is it going to be crap i'm not going to do a good job and all that um but in the end it was just like cool let's pull the trigger and make it happen and it's been super fun there's a lot that goes into it like yeah just just i I don't think (laughs) i don't think people understand it hey like it takes yeah hours to get it all together and create all the content and stuff but it's so fun to be able to have the conversations that i've had with people and um yeah it's cool yeah i've really enjoyed it so we're trying to get um sort of a mix between uh like interviews like i guess this one and then um with amanda being a sport dietitian we're going to start throwing in a few nutrition type things um 
and talking to different climbing coaches and then also just kind of like a round table discussion of different things. So yeah, we like to do a bit of a mix and yeah, it's just, just awesome to get that. Plug it. Where can people listen to it, Tom? Where can people listen to it? Um, I think pretty much everywhere that you get your podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple. um, I think it's on Google play now. Um, Yeah. So baffle days. um, If anyone's kind of interested. uh, Yeah. It's probably like, where it's that quite... name comes from. Where, where's Baffle Well, so Day? that's, that's, um, so Winfield was the town up where, you know, um, watched the Olympics and stuff. And we lived up there for a year and that was just where we went on holidays all the time. Uh, and it was on a place called Baffle Creek. Right. Um, and so, and we always just called it Baffle. We're going to, we got to Baffle and there was just something so, fun and simple about living up there that it was kind of just this throwback to um to that like when there was a few people that lived there and then a few people that like lived in Bundaberg or or nearby or you know we're we're in Brizzy and it was kind of like their weekender or holiday house sort of thing and like these are these are shacks like it's not like going to surfers paradise for your, (laughs) your weekender um but like whenever everyone was up there, they would catch up on a um, five o'clock and, you know, go around to someone's shed and sit around and, and have a drink and just chat. And there was no distractions from, from phones or anything like that. Cause it's, you know, they weren't really much of a thing back then. Um, but it was just simple, just hanging around, chatting, telling stories Um like, yeah, we didn't have a TV, we didn't have a microwave. So we'd put like the, the bread that had been frozen on the back of the water tank in the sun <laughs> for it to defrost. And it was just, it was simple and fun. And so it was a bit of a like throw into that of just like trying to capture that just simple, fun storytelling. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. No, I like that. I can imagine putting the, the bread on a water tank in Queensland will be defrosted in about five seconds, wouldn't it? It wouldn't take long. Yeah, you couldn't close the back door and go back inside yeah, exactly. to get like the you'd butter have, and Vegemite out. You'd have toast basically by, yeah, yeah, by exactly. that point. Uh, also growing up, who was your favourite childhood sporting team? Or I guess, I mean, I, I don't know, is that grown up into adulthood? <clears> I mean, guessing from Brisbane, I could I could guess, but I don't want to be presumptive here. Yeah, I was, I, uh, was big into the Brisbane Lions for a while there. Um, anyone that knows or is familiar with the Brisbane Lions uh, in that early kind of 2000s. early noughties. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Nigel it. Lappin was yep. uh, his girlfriend and then fiance uh, was a substitute teacher oh, wow. for nice. me back in like 2003 or two or something like that. Um, wow. So uh, he came into the class and I had like all my Brisbane Lions gear. Like I'd got the Brisbane Lions bag from the Ecker. And so I had like my footy and my shirt and my bag. (laughs) um, So that was pretty cool. Um, What else? I loved cricket. Like Mike Hussey was like one of my favorites and Matty Hayden. Um, I'm a left-handed batsman and was big into my cricket. Um, So yeah, just like, oh, the the cover drives were just 
impeccable. Growing up watching those guys. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that you're sort of as a Queenslander more into the, the Aussie rules. I was, I was expecting a Broncos fan, but... Uh, oh, no. Oh, oh. Wash your mouth out. South Sydney Rabbitohs. Ah, see, smart. Well, okay, I'm a Sharks man, but I'm I'm, I'm okay. smart man in terms of the, the distaste for the Broncos. Um, yeah. So I, I lived in Brisbane for a little bit and, you know, would constantly go to Lions and Suns games just because, you know, I, I love my footy. But uh, I'd only ever go to a Broncos game when the Sharks would come up or the yeah. State of Origin <laughs> or something like that. You know, I wouldn't yeah. drag myself to, to watch the Broncos. But uh, Lions doing okay. They're, they've got a good side. They, you know, obviously did all right last year. Had a bit of a year, dip but... for a few years, didn't they, after yeah. the glory years? Yeah, if... we got a good Tassie coach at the helm now as a proud Tasmanian. <laughs> I'm glad that, uh, you know, you've got uh, Chris Fagan up there coaching you guys. The right but, uh, people in the job. <laughs> exactly. Smart people, the Tasmanians. Uh, the most recent TV show that you binge-watched, what was it? Um, Big Mouth. Ah, nice. On Netflix, you... it's probably not appropriate for many people, but God, <laughs> it gets me in stitches every single time. It's just like any any boy that's gone through puberty that says that that wasn't their like yep. childhood is lying. Yep, exactly. Like it, it, God, I, it just gets me every single time. I it's always it. great when you sort of watch a show like that and you just connect to it and you're like, yeah, this is this is real life. This is how yeah. it happens. I remember that, yeah. um, gosh, it's going way back, uh, being cancelled now, I think, because of cancel culture. Uh, Summer Heights High, basically. Yeah, I remember exactly. Watching that. I'm like, this is high school. Like, like, I'm married to a Canadian and I'm like, if you want to see what Australian high school is like, Summer yeah. Heights High. This is perfect recreation of it. Uh, and honestly, if... It may be really hard to try and find, but there's a Kiwi uh, comedy called Seven Periods with Mr. Gormsby. Yep, yep. Love, it's yeah. super niche. That is very accurate as so well. So good. Yeah. Yep. I feel yeah, like no. that's what that Jonah character was based on. Was uh, yeah, those I see people. it. Yeah, I remember that show actually. Um, I lived in New Zealand for a while and I, I bring that up and people I think just must have been so niche that even they couldn't remember it. But yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that that's a blast. That was wow. good. Opening the memory banks here. Uh, what is your least favorite food? Oh, um, probably good food that's gone off, and now you don't get to eat it. Ah, that's a good answer. Yeah, mm. no, nothing more I, disappointing I, than that, is there? Like you see something yeah. really good and there's mold on it. You're like, ah, oh, looking forward to yeah. that. Yeah. Oh damn, that's been in there for a bit too long. <laughs> And you kind of question it, don't you? You're like, well, I could yeah. just scrape it off. <laughs> it was kind of okay three days ago <laughs> when it was four days old. <laughs> or when you take maybe... a bite and you don't realize, like, when you get a loaf of bread, you, you've made yourself a sandwich and you go back later on, you realize the other side you didn't see is completely covered in mold. And you're like, oh, yeah. I ate that earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed, boys. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite chip flavor? Chip flavor. Oh, uh, it's kind of gone a bit radical these days with all the like Red Rock Deli and all that sort mm. of stuff, isn't it? I, I yeah. would have said salt and vinegar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, probably still some sort of like salt and vinegar. Well, there's those like uh, balsamic oh, vinegar yeah. and whatever. Like they're pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Something, mixture of those. Okay. I like yeah. it. Um, if you weren't an athlete, Tom, what would you be? Mm. I don't know. I think sports always, if I wasn't doing climbing, I'd be surfing a lot more mm-hmm. for sure. I'd move straight to the beach and um, 
surf and and it wouldn't be competitive or anything like that but just chilling out doing that i was gonna say it's um, an olympic sport now so you know there's, there's options for that so yeah yeah and I, I was just um yeah it'd be cool to try and like catch up with some of those guys because you're like watching them on the tv and you're like oh wow there they are <laughs> what are you gonna yeah, be like I'm in the olympic it, village if all of a sudden you're bumping into these surfers because you know again they're going to be there at the same time yeah yeah totally um and a couple of the skateboarders as well you're just yeah. like oh i wonder if they're gonna have the same thing with me they've probably been watching me all the yeah the they climbing love ninja warrior they were like yeah. ninja warrior fanatics like oh, exactly there you are great you know sign my shirt. yeah <laughs> um what is your favorite vacation spot uh it would have been baffle yeah winfield oh. uh back in the day uh but then we probably now um i love going down to Kalbara okay for climbing um just near Nara there um and amanda's folks are from over in wa and they've got a spot down at dunsborough just near margaret river and Great. the surfing and and just awesomeness down there pretty is nice pretty place special there. yeah ever, ever yeah. done any climbing in tassie has it have you brought yourself down i've there not yet no i mm. really want to i haven't been to tassie yet and um it's on the list but there's it's a just, few spots uh, you could you could climb up yeah. Mount Wellington perhaps you know there's a yeah. the organ pipes up on the top there I don't I don't know if you, that would be allowed but fuck it just do it you're an Olympian you can get away with yeah. it so. <laughs> do you know who I am <laughs> exactly cops come up get down from there I'm an Olympian okay on you go son yeah as you were <laughs> that's would how you like it hot chocolate and some donuts <laughs> literally how it happens in Tasmania call yourself Sweet. an Olympian you get away with it it's it's really Sweet. easy uh, final question for you uh, what do people usually describe you as. Mm, it depends. I have been described as lots of different things. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Do we, do we need to get your partner in here to be like, hey, what do you describe? <laughs> Not today, yeah. I'm in a bad mood with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't ask that question last night. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, want, I, don't I know. want to say a link. I'm, I'm a climber. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Olympic no, I don't climber. know. Um, <laughs> no, I think a lot of people like uh, a kind of, I don't know. It, it's, it's so hard to like say good things about yourself, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So save Maybe that's something like that they would do, say right? that I need to actually like learn to um, talk up yourself. <laughs> talk myself. Yeah. Or just like love myself a bit more. Yeah. Um, you got a few yeah. months of the Olympics. You can, you can work on it. You know, yeah, just kind of get yeah. it out there. He's that dude with a really big head. Yeah, that's that's um, the one. Yeah, pulling yeah. in a bucket and uh, yeah. you know all that kind of stuff. Tom, it, it has really been an absolute pleasure to chat and, and learn uh, a little bit more about yourself and, and the sport. And yeah, we're going to be definitely keeping an eye on this in a, in a couple of months' time in Tokyo. I'm sure this is going to be one of those things that people are maybe confused about, but they're going to watch and their eyes are going to be opened up to it. It's kind of like when an Australian watches the Winter Olympics and then all of a sudden you're like, "Fuck curling! This is amazing!" Yeah. Uh, going on that way. But best of luck. For, for Tokyo and, and plug yourself I know you just said you're hard to talk about like social media can people follow <laughs> your progress your journey sort of in the lead up to Tokyo where can people find you yeah um, so I just do Instagram um, so that's uh, at Tom underscore O'Halloran uh, I think that's it anyway yeah probably something like that uh, there's if there's a Tom O'Halloran and he's climbing it's probably me yes um, right. in the little thing and uh, yeah trying to do like 
trying to keep people a little bit up to date with what's going on on there. Um, and trying to make a few little videos uh, for YouTube, that kind of stuff that's kind of fun and quirky and, and that sort of thing. Um, so just, yeah, Tom O'Halloran on YouTube, check it out. Right. Um, yeah, and Baffle Days if you're interested um, check in, it out. in climbing kind of content media. Yeah, and we'll, um, we'll also kind of we'll, we'll link to that uh, through when we put this up and also too to the, uh, the fundraising page through the Australian Sports yeah, Foundation yeah, that'd be awesome. where... People can also uh, donate there. I'm seeing here uh, the page in front of me. Uh, great, great page, and uh, obviously getting a few donations there. So by all means, people- and it's it's all tax deductible as well. So that's a, a big one. Um, so any donation, I think above two dollars, is a tax deduction. Great. So um, and it's all like this is the official thing. It's not some sort of like cheeky knockoff or whatever. This is like the official sporting thing. So yeah, get on board. Um, get on board. It's super appreciated. Um, any of it so yeah thank you so much not a problem Tom and we definitely as I said wish you best of luck and we'll get you back on with a gold medal around you I can wear mine you can wear yours yours is probably more real than mine but whatever we can just (laughs) share stories about being Tokyo Olympic gold medals but Tom seriously pleasure and uh, best of luck for Tokyo in a couple of months awesome thanks so much Ben Uh, yeah it's been super fun to chat thank you And a massive thanks to Tom there for his time. And I'm not lying when I say I am actually very excited to see sports climbing. Ella sold a sport so well last year on the show. And this is one of these sports that Jared, Colin and I, we almost laughed at at its conclusion when we first heard about it. And here we are now just wanting to see it so much. So we are looking forward to seeing Tom climbing those walls in Tokyo and hopefully not pooing in buckets along the way. So we'll uh, see how that plays out. But as I said, we have we have so many interviews coming your way. We're lining up a heap of interviews in the lead up to both Tokyo and Beijing. So we're going to be mixing it up a little bit. There'll be some winter, there'll be some summer. And we're actually trying to do something a bit unique in the fact that we want to try and cover off every single Olympic sport. We've gone through our interviews in the past. We've gone through our guests, worked out who we've had on the show, what sports that we've had on the show. And we're sort of trying to tick off all those bases now so we can at least have one athlete from each sport in both winter and summer games. And this is a very fun process. We will not lie that uh, some of the athletes that we are tracking down, we're going to have some current athletes who are either about to qualify for Tokyo or have qualified for Tokyo. And we're also going to have some athletes who are esteemed in their careers in terms of their medals won, their, their representative careers and everything else along those lines. So we're covering a lot of bases here and off the podium. And we are very, very excited to bring you these interviews coming your way very, very soon. So stay tuned for that. And to stay tuned, of course, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast wherever good podcasts are available. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We are now on iHeartRadio as well, Amazon Podcasts. You can find us there, and we appreciate your support wherever you are listening on the world, in the big world of ours, as we get pumped and excited for the next Olympic Games because as I said at the top we've got two coming in six months all things go to plan and we're going to be quite busy and that's how we like it we like talking about the Olympics and that's what we're here to do big thanks again to Tom thanks to you for listening and we will speak to you next time on Off the Podium Turning Japanese up they come Turning Japanese up they think so